0: Hey guys, Fung here. Before we begin the podcast, I just want to say a few things. Uh, First, this episode is going to be a two-parter, so expect a second episode to come out very soon. And second, uh, on this episode, Ron and I do talk about suicide. So I know some people might find it hard to listen to or outright troubling. So it's my duty as a content creator to urge anyone going through suicidal thoughts or suicidal intent to talk to someone anyone and I also just want to say that um, yeah we do live in a country where help is always available so there are some resources out there that you might be able to um, you know access Uh, one is www.ruok.org.au spelled r u the letter r the letter u and then ok.org.au and the other number if you are experiencing any of the uh, anything of the sort, please call 131114. This is the number for Lifeline Australia who specializes in talking to people uh, going through these things. Um and yeah so without further ado please enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Escape Rope Podcast. My name is Fung. And I'm Ron. Today, we have a special, special guest. We have a good mate from our gym, Eric Manalo. How are you doing, man?
1: Oh, man. I love that intro. Yeah? Thanks, Fung. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, that but intro. B-
0: before you go ahead, I just want to say that you are also an avid podcaster. Like you run a podcast with uh, your two, two mates. That's right. Also from our gym, like uh, blue belt, are they?
1: Uh, when's a the blue belt? When's a white belt? But Yeah. yeah.
0: Definitely. I'm keen for that. So his podcast is called The Three Box. So if you guys have a chance, check it out. Well, are the
2: chances? In no, one gym, there's uh, two podcasts. I right. think
1: I think there's a few. There's I a few. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Here we there's go. a few from, uh, from memory.
0: So, yeah. There's a few. What really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm only aware of your one.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's Brendan as well. Yeah, Bre- Brendan Millswood. Okay. Uh, he's got something called the uh, I think the Wogs or something like the that. Wogs. The wogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Straight Very, from Bankstown. <laughs> they, they're 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 an interesting bunch. I've listened to their podcast a little bit and it's funny. But uh, yeah. however, I like the premise of the Escape Rope. I oh. really do. Well, thank you sir. Yeah, thank yeah, you, sir. yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I, I listened to a few and. I like the premise of it, so I just gotta add before we kind of go on. If if you guys don't mind me asking, what's your definition of escape rope? If, if- so
0: I'll, I'll let the mastermind of this oh, uh, answer the question because he 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 came up with a name for our podcast. Ah, yes.
2: So Ron, you wanna be yeah? So honest? Um, when I was younger, I, I used to play Pokemon. When you're in the caves, the yeah. easiest way to get out is to use the escape rope item. It yeah. takes you right out the right out of the caves and. You know, to, towards like a the Pokemon Center, whatever. So I, I thought um, it's kind of like a good um, analogy of what I wanted this to be. It's kind of like my little escape rope from whatever situation I'm in, just to sort of take me out for even a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's, so that's that's this podcast, but you know, it can be more um, more general. It can be anything. You know, anyone can have their own escape rope. Doesn't have to be anything specific. For some, it could be jiu-jitsu. That's their little escape rope from the week. Um, it could be—I um, don't know. Some people like to drink. That—that's their escape rope. Not necessarily the most productive uh, escape rope, but you know, that's—that's that's, um, that was sort of where my head was when I was thinking about the name. And you know, when I, when I thought about the name, I thought, I think that, that 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 kind of sounds like what what I want this to be like it yeah what's your definition of escape rope so initially initially when when we first
0: started to to talk ron and i uh we we shared a common interest in in podcasting and my premise of the escape rope or the idea of a podcast is always to lead people away from the nine-to-five okay so that was the initial process but ron being in the nine-to-five actually gave me a different outlook on what people like to do. Some people might not want to be entrepreneurs. Some people might not want to work for themselves, but be an asset to a, a vision that they uh, that, that they believe in, yeah. right? So, some for some people, the nine to five is their is their no and be all so they want to progress in that uh, particular sort of like work environment. Yeah. Okay. So for me, for me, the escape rope is no longer about like taking away people from the uh, away from the nine to five, but rather finding what builds their character. Mm-hmm. Okay. So The Escape Road, what, what might that be? So like Ron said, might be podcasting, might be drinking, might be just uh, going home and, and Netflix. But for others, it might be taking up a hobby on the, uh, on the side, uh, doing something on the weekend, doing something extra that, that defines their character, that creates stories that, um, that they can tell other people, right? So this is a way for, for Ron and I to tell our stories. So the, the Escape Road podcast is pretty much that for us. Okay. I, I, I just wanted to find out both your definitions
1: before we kind of go, because uh, um, as I was coming in, you know, like as we were conversing before I came into here, I, I, I had to look into what, what has happened to me. And I have, I, I, I know the nine to five, I'm currently there. But before that, I was also just doing my own thing in Sweden. But I'll, I'll get to that later where I was running my own stuff. You know, so in, in that regard, I know escape ropes, both the positive and the negative, but um, I'll let you guys figure that out, and I hope your listeners can uh, tune in from start to finish, just so that way you can see how all of this connects in the end. So and, and hence reason why I, I said um, I wanted to know first what your definitions are, uh, because as with anybody, there's both positive and negative. Uh, but yeah, let's. Uh, good
2: to know. Good yeah, to know. I, I think I think the case, is uh, that the escape rope is sort of, um, it's it's kind of ambiguous. It just yeah. depends on what your definition is. Sure, sure, sure. Okay.
0: I mean, just just before we 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 go any further, like, yeah. I mean, what's your definition of a, po- a escape rope?
1: Oh, I have a lot, but I I want to be able to um, let you guys figure it out. You you said you want it to be ambiguous. I, I want to say stories in, the, in this podcast of what has happened to me from me finding my own escape rope in, in, uh, in, in everything. You know, my journey begins in the Philippines, goes to New Zealand, goes come here in uh, Australia, Sweden, then back here in Australia. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want to tell yeah. you stories about that.
0: You, you, are, you are someone to me when we started talking, right? Yeah. Like, who, who's got a lot of depth. Ah, right. So you've done a lot of things. Like you've, you. When we talked uh, previously before the podcast, like you worked in the markets, then you moved on to like, uh, you know, now you're working in in IT. So you've done all the things in between retail, like uh, as, uh, you know, white, uh, white collar, blue collar, and now you're in IT. Uh, So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Uh, Where you want me to begin at the start or yeah? Okay, so obviously from the Philippines, uh, was there for about thirteen years or so. Um. Third world country, uh, not easy. My parents were quite middle class, went through a lot. I saw my parents go from nothing into something. Um, By the age of, I would say, uh, when I was 10, July 16, 1990, um, we had an earthquake that really changed uh, my perspective on how the world is. Um, I could say that my childhood was taken away from that time. Uh, the earthquake which happened in the Philippines in Baguio—that's where that—that's where I was from—was uh, seven point six. Yo, yeah. that's a that's, that's a heavy that's, one. That's extreme, you know. Yeah. And the the family I grew up in, you know, um, as I mentioned, we we, we were we we're middle class, so it, it's not too bad in the scheme of things. Um, but this this earthquake really shook me because I, for the first time, I saw what. The real world is capable of. I saw death. Uh, I saw how people can be. I saw how all of a sudden I was a child and I was not a child anymore, because I saw what the world can can do to you. And then, you know, living in the Philippines, which is a, um, as I mentioned, third world country, and also there's a lot of corruption. My parents decided that maybe that's not the life for us, so we went to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: beautiful country, by the way, it is a beautiful yeah. country.
1: And uh, when I was in New Zealand, that's the first time I really discovered. Um, I got bullied, man. <laughs> when you when you're a skinny yeah. Asian, yeah. Filipina, so so you yeah. were old.
2: Uh, how old when you moved to New Zealand? I was thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you know you you were. You 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 wanna, you had friends and then you had to create new friends again. Yeah, and uh, you're you're in a country where the kids are double your size. Did you uh
0: did you know English before you? Went? I
1: was. I was very fluent. You were fluent. Okay. Yeah, I was oh. very fluent. Because I was yeah.
0: gonna say we we kind of share the same uh, yeah. sort of upbringing. Because I came to to Australia when I was ten. Yeah. Uh, but the difference is I didn't know anything. I, I, didn't. I didn't know the language at all.
1: Okay, so my folks, when they, they kind of knew that we were going to go overseas one way or the other. Right. So instead of us speaking uh, the native, native tongue, which is Tagalog, they taught us English directly.
2: Oh, yeah, the okay. problem
1: with that was when I was a kid um, and I was speaking English, a lot of the kids picked on me. Why? So, well, you're a little different, you know? And mm. I had a little lighter skin than most Filipino kids. And that was both attractive to a certain uh, aspect, but also not so attractive. Because you stood out. That's exactly it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, that kind of prepared me a little bit, I guess, for, wh- for what happened in New Zealand. Because mm. when you're there, you know, like in the Philippines, we're, we love, we love basketball. You know, but I was I'm oh, a sh- yeah. I'm a short guy. Yeah. You know, I I tried my hand at basketball. it Didn't freaking work out. You know, you, you always want to think you're the next MJ, but fuck that. That shit ain't gonna happen. Especially if you're short. <laughs> yeah. you,
0: you're more the motherfucking Mugsy Boggs of that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's uh, it's actually quite funny because I know I know a lot of Filipino uh,
2: guys love basketball. Yeah, man. Right?
0: And the, the majority of them are like what. Five foot five or that's, something. That's exactly. It's, it. it's always
2: funny playing against like fellow players because they, they love handling ball. Yep, and they don't really like the pass. They just yep. like to. Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> every shot, you know, every shot's up, you know, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, being a being a shorter guy, you know, similar to you, you know, uh, yeah. Basketball is always tough, but um, yeah. you know, it was a a fun kind of outlet.
1: One could say that's an escape rope right there. Of course, definitely. You know, that's, so th- that's one thing. And um, I got into New Zealand and they played bloody rugby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right! They played rugby. Yeah. So I, I couldn't integrate myself into league or union. Mm. I could only integrate myself into touch rugby. Mm. So, you know, I was a bit of a speedy guy, but nonetheless, I got picked on. So I was in New Zealand for about, you know, I guess about five years or so. Um, and then I noticed I really didn't fit in. Then I wanted to escape. Mm, mm. There was that escape rope. Again. Right, right. I wanted to escape. I spoke to my mom. Mom was thinking the same thing. Opportunities were limited in New Zealand.
0: So. Really? I, I always thought, I always had New Zealand in my mind that it's sort of similar to Australia. This is like a smaller market. That's correct. It's just.
1: That's Everything's correct. a bit smaller. It, it right. is. Okay. So yeah, so Ron, you, you pretty much painted the premise of, of how that is. Because of course it's it's very similar, but at the same time, it's a smaller country. You know, it's not as big as Australia. There's there's a lot of opportunities. And actually, you know, my, my parents decided once again, time
2: to migrate. So it was was the was the earthquake um, sort of a catalyst to move things along? Um, I think it was one out of many, right. I would say. Uh,
1: that, I, I can't really speak for my folks. I can, sure. you know, but I know for a fact that I wouldn't be in the situation I'm in talking to you boys or anything. I, I guess the same thing with you guys coming from where you guys come from, you know, where we, we all come from uh, a family of migrants, one could say. Yeah. You know, so New Zealand didn't like it, moved to Australia, got to Australia. Great opportunities uh and so by that time you would have been 18 that's correct right hsc right. okay so as i was doing hsc uh i just noticed as well that um doing hsc it's the, when when you're a kid and you're not really great in academic things you just you just want to play video games
2: yeah it's yeah, not really exciting know,
1: yeah and you want to play and it's either that or you want to play sport it's either the two uh i did HSC. Did graphic design, got into graphic design, did not like graphic design. Like I, I did. What year was this? Uh, you're looking about 2001. Okay. So I studied, um, then got employed, was employed for about a month, didn't like the office environment, went into hospitality, started making coffees, loved making coffees. I was a barista for a while. Mm. Um. i I love the craft of it i love the idea of creating the perfect coffee you know and at first it was just a job for me Mm. but then i noticed that there's a craft to this and once you perfect the craft you serve it to people people notice and then all of a sudden you're you become something and back in the day when i discovered this latte art wasn't a big thing it only be you know like you know, when you get those rosettas, when you have those, yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah it, it wasn't a big thing back then. But it, well, when I got into that, all of a sudden it was booming. So I competed in uh, making coffee. Oh, no way. Yeah, I, I did. Mm. Um, I, I placed in uh, top 20 in Sydney from back okay. in the day. But when was that? Like, the, oh, God, it's so long ago, man. Yeah. About, uh, we, I'd say about uh, 17, 16 years ago now. I can't no. put a definition into it. Anyway, um, well, I was good into it. I became a cafe manager. Cafe manager, then I noticed that I had some management skills, and this was coming from me playing basketball. Uh, I wasn't the most skilled player on the court, but I knew how to give directions because you play as a point guard. You know, As a point guard, you're, you're the one that really orchestrates how plays go. So I noticed I was able to carry that on into working into that field. Um, I got into that. Then I moved into the city. So I started in Hornsby, ran right here. Then I moved into the city. City, I noticed that my management skills needed was quite good. So the combination with that and coffee, I got into uh, working in a restaurant called the Mint Cafe. Mint Cafe, uh, I I was yeah, as I mentioned, supervisor. From there, I noticed that, okay, something's not right with me.
2: So this is like your early 20s. Early 20s, yeah, indeed. Okay.
1: So I, I kind of got into, when you're in the city and you kind of get used to that fast lifestyle, you get connected with some of the wrong people. And uh, yeah, and uh, th- that kind of put me into this tailspin of my old cocaine, and ecstasy. So I was addicted to a bit of drugs back then and that drove my physique very, I, I was very thin. And this I was, was in, after
0: the whole coffee stage, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly wow, okay. It. Yeah.
1: And um, I noticed I was withering. I, I, my body was, uh, because I was getting too addicted to stuff. And uh, my friend, Eugene, uh, who is a competitive bodybuilder, he picked me up and he kind of said, bro, we, we got to rebuild you again. And I said, all right, cool. So I rebuilt my body for about a year. Uh, I was working part time. I, I went away from the whole restaurant thing and I was work- like, I was just working part time in BMW, Parramatta, Trivette Motors, making coffee okay. just to support myself. And as I was doing that, um, I was building my body. and. I noticed all of a sudden I was going from uh, a skinny fifty-five kilo person to exploding to about seventy-two kilo. I wow. put on solid muscle. Mm. When, Still there, Still yeah. there oh, too. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> looking, checking <laughs> your admiring Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when I when when I when uh, people started to notice, I um, I started to look into personal training. Because Mm, people mm. wanted to train with me. So I got myself educated. By that time, I think it was 2008 or something. And uh, the first financial crisis was happening. I don't know if you guys recalled that. Yeah. So I went into um, studying being a personal trainer um, and I became a personal trainer. I noticed though that with the redundancies and everything, and um, it it was not good. Mm. My girlfriend, who I met here, and she's from Sweden. She kind of go. She kind of went. Look, maybe we should try our luck in Sweden. And I said, okay, cool. Uh, Just maybe, like that. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, mm. and you know, I was there. I visited Sweden probably once, and I thought, okay, maybe I should give this a go. This is in two thousand and nine. Two thousand, yeah, two thousand, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, around that times, and. Without, you know, when, when I went there, I just thought, okay, European country, every, some people, like people speak English. I didn't do too much research on it. I just went into it and I had a good feeling. So I went, I just went all in. So I traveled from Australia to Sweden. And, um, from there things got really interesting. I was working as personal trainer. And uh, things were going well. I was working for different uh, gyms, and uh, I had my bodybuilding experience with me. It wasn't towards—I—I I, I didn't compete or anything, but I, I had a body for it, and I had different ways of training and you know showing people what to do. But it was—I can't necessarily say say it was the best at the time. I just knew the basics, right? But because I looked different. It made me popular
0: in sweden in sweden Sweden. what what was different about you
1: because i had something that most swedish people didn't have i was i was alive i was fiery you know and uh, that
0: that obviously shows when you um when you did that hit training the other day when i saw you you went from this like this guy and then all all of a sudden you're just yelling at people yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yelling at Wendy
1: it's like come on, keep up. Oh, I would say you were yelling at Wendy, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, I uh, I noticed that I was I was different, and um, all of a sudden I went from zero to something in, in such a short amount of time. And when I was there, the problem when you're living in a different country, right? And especially when you don't know what the language is, all of a sudden it feels like a box. So, you know how that's, you... That's, that's a... Yeah.
2: Um, it's, it's interesting because you, yeah. you say that you, you felt like you were in a bit of a box. Yeah. But at the same time, you were very popular. correct That's a very... It's a bit of a
1: dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: I, I've never felt like I was in a box, but I've never felt extreme popularity either. So, it's kind yeah. of a, it was a hard thing 22. to really um, comprehend. Yeah.
1: It, it was very hard. Because yeah. imagine you're in a country, you kind of know the language, but really you don't. Okay. And when you're there, you try and make sense of things, but things don't make sense. The only way that you can actually read into how people are is body language. It took me about three years until I picked up the language. And even now I picked up the language. I can't say I'm fully fluent in it. You know? By like,
0: language, you mean their own yeah, na- native language? Yeah, yeah, They don't yeah. just like speak English, right? No, no. no yeah. they,
1: it's, uh, they, they grew up speaking Swedish. Swedish. okay. Swedish. okay. Then English kind of came secondary for them.
0: Oh, uh, right, 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 right.
1: So I was able to coexist in their country, you know, and um, I was working in this company called Sats. I was their top seller. They ranked you for that. They didn't rank you by your skill set. They ranked you uh, by how much you could sell, you know, but because of the fact that you can sell, it's by a default known that you're good at what you do, you know, so... I kind of went with that. So one could say I was kind of doing a bit of an imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's, sure. a,
0: that's something that uh, Ron and I do talk about the imposter yeah. syndrome. It's, uh, it's also something that we have when we talk about uh, when we're actually hosting this podcast. Like,
2: we what, all do. What, what,
0: what do we know? What exactly yeah. do we know? How qualified are we to talk about the things that we talk about? Ooh. You know, this, this, this kind of things always comes up. Unless you have a fact checker. Uh, well yeah <laughs> you could have that or do your research but it's it's something that's very prevalent like you hear about uh, say for example like the F1 documentary that yeah, yeah, you oh, and I oh, would I'm just check. deep into
2: it now yeah but yeah
0: there's a there's a documentary on Netflix uh, it, it deals with like just F1 drivers oh yeah and some of them actually like mentioned that the fact that they also have imposter syndrome like who are they to actually have the right to be behind the wheel of this uh, if- multi-million dollar vehicle you know so uh, yeah, we, we do yeah. understand what, what you mean by imposter syndrome.
1: I, th- I think everybody has it. To some um, extent. T- well, y- look, and anybody has it. I challenge everybody that has gone into any job. Your first few days, your first few weeks, you can't say that you're like, holy shit, here I am. I fucking know what to do. No, you don't. Mm-mm. You know it to some extent, but you don't know. I think
2: I think my mindset is more when I think of imposter syndrome is more I I don't deserve to be there or I don't deserve to to call myself something that Mm. even though I'm I'm doing it like you know we we do a podcast we host a podcast I don't I still don't really consider myself a podcaster. Podcaster, Yeah yeah.
1: do you need to live by that label?
2: I guess I guess I don't have to. I don't don't think I really want to either. But I mean, that's
1: well. Let's let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. So um so, so yeah, go on. but before
0: yeah. before you, you go on yeah, like yeah, what yeah. what what I find interesting, right? Yeah. I, for each step of your life, yeah. each each environment that yeah. you find yourself in, it seems like you just instantly thrust yourself into it without any sort of thinking behind it. There, you just you're just like, oh, I have a good feeling about this, so I'm gonna do it. But it, it also kind of relates back to your parents uh, making the call to move to New Zealand, right? Possibly. So it, it's it's one of the things that you have to do it or you First. don't. First. And that's probably why from my point of view anyways, yeah. when you said that you were a boy and then you became a man in an instant because of a, an external sort of uh, uh, event. Yeah. And that's why you've actually, like from then on, you've kind of led your, your life in, in
2: that sense. Sure. Is, uh, do, um, do I have that right?
1: Yeah, about yeah? Um, possibly. Uh, I can't say fully to the It definitely extent. sounds yeah. like there's
2: a level of um, uh, in instability. Oh, you know, yeah. Moving from you know, what happened with uh, you know, the earthquake and then to New Zealand, where it didn't sound like you fully settled. Sure. And then five years later, you're on to. Australia sure. and then short time later, you're somewhere else. Yeah. So it did not seem like you quite settled each of those places after the, the earthquake. I don't think I ever have. Yeah.
1: So you kind of, so we're touching onto this imposter syndrome. So imagine my feeling of being in, in Sweden, being popular as a trainer and thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I, you know, it wasn't so long ago that I, I was a barista. It wasn't so long ago I was in the Philippines when, when I had to reflect back. But it got me somewhere to the point where I started being around one of the top trainers in Sweden. Um, hate to name drop it. Yeah, I worked beside a guy named Morten Nilen. And he was the, um, he was the trainer for The Biggest Loser. And um, I met him when I was making a transition from this big uh, gym company in, called Sats to this small gym. When I went in there, he was training the who's who of Sweden. He was the, he was the celebrity trainer, and that was that was so surreal when I when when I was there. Anyway,
0: were you uh, like how, what? How was your journey to uh, away from like your addiction to drugs? Oh, I'll back get then? to there. I'll get, yeah. I get I get to that. Yeah.
1: Um, so I get to that because uh, this is a good segue to that. Um, so I was out, as I was hanging out with this guy. Again, popularity was up. I started going, falling back into the drugs again. So there was a time when you
2: were kind of clean.
1: Yeah. It it was when I was kind of getting myself ready to move to Sweden, but living there, when, when, let me set the premise of Sweden, right? It's nine years. uh, I was there for nine years and it's nine months of winter. Okay. Now. You're, you're probably going winter, big fucking deal. We're, we're here in Australia, we're experiencing winter now. This, uh. winter, that you guys are, uh, this winter that you're guys experiencing, this is summer for them. And if you don't have vitamin D in your body and you don't have sufficient amounts of that, that kind of messes the shit out of you. Okay. Yeah, further, you know to add to that, I was not with my family. I had a lot of uncertainty if I should be in Sweden or not. It was so bad that I decided to just do what was convenient for me. Again, there's that escapism. And that escapism for me was um, just being impulsive. So doing things without thinking. You right. You know, you, you said the while yeah. ago, it seems to me, yeah, I had that pattern. Uh-huh. I had that pattern of behavior. So I...
0: It's like a, a sort of like self-defense mechanism. Like you is, just We just want to... It is. Know, Get a result quick.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing: there is a moral, there's a morality aspect to things. You'll know that once you start doing something bad, because when you start doing something bad, you know you're doing something bad, but you don't listen to that conscience. Therefore, your brain gets into a bit of conflict. So let me let me add things up. You're in a country that's nine month, you know, close to about nine months of winter. You're away from your family. You barely know the language. You're doing well, but you're not doing well mentally. Mm. What do you do?
0: You do, you do find, uh, the thing is that I find it interesting about mm. that is you do find like a lot of people who have like sort of a mental instability yeah. or a mental condition uh, in, that, in that sense. Sure. Um, they tend to separate themselves from the actual illness, right? So there's uh, a duality there.
1: Uh, one could say that, but mm. also one could say that some people make that their identity.
0: Right. Because what I what I find interesting at the moment is like you're living a, a, a pretty, from what I can tell, a successful life in Sweden. Yeah. But like at the back of your mind, there's always something nagging at you. Yeah, because
1: right. I, I felt that I shouldn't be there, but I should be there. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's uh that's a
0: that sounds like a very hard conflict to have well,
1: like it, with it yourself. Is, yeah. It is. And that led me to again the, the drug
2: so, uh, so depression. Would, all would, that. would it be correct to say that um you sort of had these sort of um things in the back of your mind right? and these other factors made it yeah. worse? Yeah.
1: It did. And I didn't want to face it. So I wanted to escape from it. So I fell to the addiction, and the addiction essentially was um, the euphoria. You, I don't know if you guys ever ate, take cocaine. I, I I fucking loved it. I I loved it with ecstasy as well. Now, when you know all those factors I mentioned uh, about living in Sweden, that compounds especially when you're running away from things. So you know, let's talk about escape ropes. Uh, that escape rope for me was very prevalent. I just wanted to take that exit all the time. It got so extreme that it was amplifying all the negative thoughts in my head.
2: Can, can I ask before we, yeah. we go ahead? So yeah. you sort of had a similar pattern back in Australia as well. Yeah, yeah. They, was they it a back. similar kind of escape or the same kind of thing you're trying to escape from?
1: I don't think I came to terms with myself. I right. don't think I knew who I was. I think I think it was pretending
0: I mean, like you said, like you said, you, you were just recovering from the addiction of cocaine in, in Australia. And yeah. then uh, and all of a sudden, as things were calming down, you jumped yourself into like a, the other unknown, which I is did. Sweden, right? Yeah.
1: Now, I'd like to think that that was, that, that, was, that that was it, but it wasn't, you know, I was seeing a psychiatrist and a psychologist. It started with the psychologist. Psychologist goes, oh, fuck me, you're too fucked up. Something along those lines. Obviously, they're not going to say that to yeah. you. So I got put uh, I got put with a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist was quite fascinated I guess with with how my brain worked because I was it was it was extreme I was it was quite manic and I noticed that the only thing other than drugs that made me feel good was when I was training in the gym and when I was around people. And then I found group fitness training. Group fitness training, essentially, I, I, I was a boot camp instructor. Then I was a Les Mills instructor. Les Mills, essentially. This was a, still in Sweden? This was in Sweden. And what year was this? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was a blur from all the, um, from all the drugs and everything. Really? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say probably the final five years. I, I can tell you for like, I can tell you guys for five years, I wasn't me. And a part, there, there is a part of my brain that's still trying to catch up, mm. you know, and I, I still can't make sense of things, you know. Um, there, so so you, yeah, got, go you got
2: clean for, mm. for a while. I did. I did. And then what, what, was, what was sort of going through your mind when yeah. you were sort of came into contact with the drugs again? Oh man! Because um, obviously it took a fair bit to to get out of the original addiction, right?
1: It it took a while, but you kind of had to replace it with a reason in your brain. Sure, you know, because uh, and anybody that's addicted will know this. When you have, when you feel that addiction, you're a different person, bro. You're mm. you're you're not you're not who you think you are. You're you're. Per- you know, I, I would even say that if, there, if peop, anyone that's addicted, if they use that, that mindset of them trying to get that drug, because essentially that's you getting to a goal.
0: Ah, oh, interesting.
1: And you become so obsessed, you know, that you'll do fucking anything to get that drug. That when, even when you touch that drug, you already feel high.
2: Oh, wow. Well, okay. Whoa. And, and that goal is to get high, to get high, to get to that because,
1: state. Because, you know, when, when you, when all of a sudden you decide, I want some cocaine, and, you know, if, if you kind of, I don't know if you guys are a big fan of Chappelle Show, you know, the, <laughs> you know, what this Rick James said, It's cocaine, a hell of a drug, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which it is, you know? And I, I was, I was like, if, if you, if, if you look at anybody that's addicted, Sometimes the, um, the rise is uh, better than you achieving that. There's actually a bit of a high when you're going through that pattern of getting there. The know?
0: process. of process, yeah, that's correct. Okay.
1: And then when you get it, and I, I remember just getting that plastic with one gram of cocaine in it, I was fucking high as fuck already. And I, w- I don't even have it yet, you know? It took me a while to realize that if you had that same mindset, whoever is addicted, if you took it into something that you really wanted, just like, okay, you can get it. But again, that that's something I discovered, you know, mm. come back. That's then. like the the, yeah. the,
0: the, the the wrong way to think about ambitions yeah. and, and, and the journey of like mm. success. Yeah. yeah,
1: but it's, it's also a dichotomy and it's also a mindset when you really think about it. Yeah. Now, I know I'm a little bit all over the place because I'm talking about the time in my life that where I was all over the place.
0: All right. So, in the in well, following yeah. that, when was the first time you remembered? Well, when was the first time you remember that it's finally point zero for you? This is like ground zero. This is when I can build myself back up. Okay,
1: so before I get there, I went through a few uh, an interesting journey in fitness. Before I got into the whole thing with drugs, I was exploring different things. I was, as I mentioned, I was a bodybuilder at one point. Then I, I discovered CrossFit. Uh, I love CrossFit at one point. From CrossFit, I, I discovered Strongman.
0: What's, what's Strongman?
1: Strongman training is the basis of what fitness is, is you pick up rocks. You know, oh, uh, you, so, say, you know uh, Thor Halfbjorn, the mountain from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. he's a well-known uh, strongman.
2: I'm a big fan of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I love picking up rocks. And then... Okay. Yeah. So it's just like picking up random ob- objects, is it? No, not necessarily. One day I'll, I'll, take you, I'll take you to this beautiful gym that I train in called Black Flag when, when we open, of course, after this okay, COVID 19. Yeah. So I was, that was if, if I wasn't taking drugs, that was my high. So let me go back now to your question. When did I realize that this was it? So at the peak of me going through what I was going through in Sweden, I went out. And I was with this uh producer, music producer. He he was he was quite well known in the music industry. We went out, we had we had this we we had fuckloads of wine. That night though, because I was feeling I was I was feeling that escapism again. I decided if I can get two grams of cocaine. Okay. So I went into my apartment, I smashed out that two grams of cocaine. And I had All this, I I felt strong and I I had all this positive energy. But then I noticed that the like I I was dropping, and I noticed that I didn't have that much cocaine left. And all of a sudden, I started feeling depressed, and i like, because Because you know that that yeah, yeah, because you're running out. And then I ran out, and then the calm down was coming, and the calm down got extreme and I wanted to escape. And in the middle of winter, there's this, uh, um, there's this bridge, it's called uh, Kungsholmensbrunn, which is a, a bridge that connects uh, Södermalm, which is uh, quite similar to what we have here in Parramatta, and also Kungsholmen, which is quite similar to Mossman. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I walked in the bridge, and uh, I was at the peak now of my calm down, and I wasn't feeling great. And um, at that point, I just I had a reflection of everything that has ever happened to me, and I fucking want I wanted to end it there. And as I got into the middle of the bridge, I stood at the very edge. I had wind blowing through me, and it was it was a cold breeze. And I was looking down and there were cars just going behind me and some of them were beeping, some of them didn't stop. Were you standing on the ledge? I was running? on the edge okay. and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the lake was frozen. And I thought to myself,
2: at least, when, well, at least when I hit the ground, that's it. Hey guys, it's Ron here. That was part one. But before we conclude this episode it is worth repeating what Fung mentioned at the start of all this. And that is that there is help and resources out there for people going through a difficult time or feel like things just don't seem to be getting any better. I understand sometimes it is hard to talk to friends or family or ask for help because you don't want to worry them or you don't want to bother them. But that's why there are dedicated resources like iuorkid.org and Lifeline on 13, 11, 14... You are there to listen first and foremost. And all of this might not be for you specifically, but it could be for someone that you do know. Someone who don't seem like themselves or haven't been socializing as much as they used to. Um, and they just don't, uh, they just seem to be a little bit more withdrawn than usual. It is always worth it to reach out to them. And on that note, that's the conclusion of part one. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for updates on part two. Um, And we hope you enjoyed this first part and return to listen to the conclusion of Eric's story. Have a good one, guys. See ya.